Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Woman of Now podcast. My name is Stephanie Jansen. I am the director at Navigator, a fun, free, and informative space providing practical advice to help burgeoning female professionals thrive in the Australian workforce. In this podcast, we sit down with an Australian female each month to chat about professional navigation. This episode is sponsored by Emma and Tom's. Personally, I love Emma and Tom's juices and I buy them all the time. They're so yummy. They have a new juice range, Colour Cleanse, where every bottle has over two-thirds of fresh vegetables and at least five grams of probiotic dietary fibre. Drink your veggies today and pick up an Emma and Tom's Colour Cleanse juice. This month's podcast features Carmen Martin. Carmen is Australia's first ever World Taekwondo champion. In 2013, Carmen won the Women's Lightweight Gold Medal at the World Taekwondo Championships. Carmen trained from eight years of age and her successes started early. At age 14, she became the youngest Australian athlete to win selection in the Senior Australian National Team to compete in the World Taekwondo Championships. Since then, Carmen has won nine medals in various international competitions. Most recently, Carmen and her sister qualified for the Rio Olympics. Carmen's third appearance at the Olympics. Carmen has a degree in exercise and sports science from Deakin University and has recently been awarded an elite athlete scholarship to complete her MBA at the University of Sydney. Without further ado, here is the interview. Firstly, I'd like to thank you for being a part of this and being a guest on the Woman of Now podcast. It's very exciting to have you here. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, you've got a great project going and I'm really happy to be part of it. So if I can get you to give our listeners a little bit of a background to yourself. Sure. So I'm a three-times Olympian and Australia's first and only world taekwondo champion. Carmen, are you able to tell us your age? Difficult question. (laughs) I am 31 years old, Okay. even though I'm probably about, I reckon, 22 in my spirit years. Um, <laughs> Do you want to give us a little bit of a background to, you know, you growing up and where you came from, where you started? Well, I started my journey in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Australia. Mm-hmm. My father introduced me and my siblings to the sport of Taekwondo pretty much without a choice. <laughs> I started when I was eight and pressured into it I didn't like it at first I think it's it's very similar to like the first time you go to school when you're young you want to go because your older siblings go and you think it's exciting but then when you actually get there it can be quite boring and it's work so I think I went once or twice and then my dad had to force me um but it didn't take too long probably a good four years before I was able to travel and compete and represent my state in competitions and travel to different countries when I was 14. And, um, yeah, that's when it started a really personal journey for me and I found my own, you know, intrinsic motivation for the sport. When you were younger, did you ever imagine that you'd that you'd go into taekwondo? I mean, you, you kind of touched on there that it wasn't really something that really grabbed you at first instance. Did you have some other vision in mind for yourself when you were younger? I think... I wanted to be lots of things. I guess just to touch on the sport, like uh, I was around it so much because my father competed in Taekwondo and sister did and were always at competitions or training. So once I did have to do it, then I knew I wanted to be the best at it. Mm. And I had a lot of 
senior, I guess, like coaches and trainers told me that I'm a natural and I've got really good hips. <laughs> so I don't even think I was a natural in the sense of having technique, but I had good flexibility in my hips. And I remember our head instructor at the time telling me I'm going to be a world champion one day. And I was like, yeah, okay. And uh, so that started at a really young age. So, yeah, once I did have to do it, then definitely I had the belief that I could go all the way. And other dreams and aspirations I, I still have now, like I wanted to be an artist. Yeah, I've always loved art. I've always loved uh, painting, drawing, ceramics, and that's still an, an aspiration of mine. And I think when I was younger, I also wanted to be a businesswoman. I don't know what that meant apart from working in the city and wearing a baby blue suit, skirt suit in the city. So that's what it meant. But, yeah, I don't know what it it really means now, and I guess I'm discovering that now as an adult. A very specific outfit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> what you dream of as a kid. You mentioned that your family is a Taekwondo family. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your family life? Also for the listeners, I I know Carmen through her sister, who I study with at Monash University, and that's how we got in touch. So you've got quite an interesting family background. Yes, so my parents are originally from Poland. They came to Australia as refugees. And my father, he was a, a college basketball player. He represented Poland in the college basketball league. But he also fell in love with Taekwondo, which I think started from my uncle. And my father, yeah, as soon as he came to Australia and found a club and had children and we were old enough, um, we all started Taekwondo. So I have an older sister, um, Caroline, who's two years older than me. She also does Taekwondo and a younger brother by six years, and he also does Taekwondo. And a couple of years ago, my mum decided to finally start Taekwondo after watching us for, gosh, over 20 years and being our, our personal taxi driver, taking us to all our training sessions. It's been a real blessing because my sister was able to compete with me at the Rio Olympics and is also an Olympian. She's also a multi-international medalist. And my brother is also an international medalist and represents Australia and was very close to qualifying for Rio. He was the reserve and is now working towards Tokyo. And I also have my partner, uh, Safwan. He's also involved in the sport. And I met him through Taekwondo on a junior national team. And yeah, he's also a... Um, Olympian, two time, times Olympian, and also a, a decorated international fighter. Carmen, it sounds like you've had some great mentors. I'm really passionate about mentorship, and it's something that we've discussed on the podcast before. So what have your mentors been like, and what are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned through the mentoring relationship? My mentors have been my coaches, and I think their success and, and our success as a team has come from a mutual respect. Like even though traditionally Taekwondo is a martial art and you, you have, I guess, that that respect and discipline and, and hierarchy, they never made me feel less than or demeaned. Like I gave them full respect as, as my elders and as my coaches, but they never made me feel inferior. They held me on equal terms and we had a, a friendship which fundamentally was the, the essence of, of our partnership and we could go for a coffee. It was having that informal interaction as well as when it was time to work hard and they would offer 
guidance and strategy and technique, but you know, at least once a week or every every couple of weeks, going for a coffee and touching base and seeing how are you and uh, post competitions, having a debrief where the athletes could speak honestly and the coaches could speak honestly and we could work to a strategy on how to better our performance next time. I think that was really effective. They would they would follow up post each big event and they would continue to touch base throughout the process and check in with, with how we're doing emotionally, spiritually and what's happening outside our sporting life too, which is really important. And they led by example. Having mentors who have integrity and when you see them having to make tough decisions and they stand by their values and they don't compromise who they are, then they become really good role models as well. So they guide you, but they also lead by example. And there's honesty there. I think there's no other way to put it, but this is a term that we use. They don't piss in your pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it was like a... <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Like, but polite. <laughs> but, you know, they, they have to keep it real, even though it hurts sometimes. But um, that's the only way to to be better. And it's not done with, like, any malice. It's just having to be, you know, that's, I think, in the later part of our relationship, even us giving them feedback now that we're, we're a bit more older and mature. So you've had some really long-standing mentors by the sounds of what you're saying, which is quite quite unique, really. And you've also, you've been through formalised programs. From what you've said, women can take away the kind of values that you've discussed in terms of how to shape their mentoring relationships. So having that kind of conversation about, you mentioned integrity, honesty, feedback, but also taking an interest in your personal life and taking an interest in you in terms of your emotions, I think is really important. So I think a great takeaway message for our listeners is to actually have that candid conversation with your prospective mentor at the beginning of your relationship to really try and create a relationship that is going to be strong and beneficial to both parties. Can you think of a time that was particularly difficult and how you navigated that situation? I guess the most recent would be before Rio, I had to make the decision to move back to Melbourne. And at that point in time, I was living in Sydney with my partner. And in the eight months leading up to Rio, I decided to move back home in with my parents to train at my club, who I've been training with my whole career but they needed to be a lot more hands-on instead of camp-based back and forth and it just put you know a big big stress on on my personal relationship with my partner at the time and we were playing catch-up too so I had to get over this deep fatigue that I'd been feeling the last few years that was impacting my performance and my mental state I had a lot of um, emotional I guess issues um There was issues between family members and friends where relationships had broken down and it was, yeah, all very daunting and and emotionally draining. At that point, I really had to rely heavily on the support team around me, speaking to my family, to my mentors and also to a, a mental coach, a performance coach, and 
have someone who is a professional that can help you deal with what's going on in your personal life to make sure that you're still functioning to a degree um, because I was very close to, I guess, breaking point and I needed to be in a pretty good mental state to be able to compete at the Olympics and perform at the Olympics and the goal was to, to win at the Olympics. So how to keep it all together or you know, make those agreements where you can put it to the side and deal with it after the Olympics so then you can perform at the Olympics. You have to learn how to make those contracts with yourself. In terms of contracts, I mean, that's a, a really interesting concept. You're making goals, but putting the word contract on it, it sounds very formal. Yes. So Is that something sorry, that you talked about with, you said you had engaged some people to talk about your feelings and emotions and are they the kinds of yep. conversations that you had in terms of I'm going to goal set, I'm going to think in a certain way to achieve certain things? Like what was the psychology and conversations behind that in terms of your goals? Yeah, well, since 2010, I've been working with a performance coach, a mental coach who specializes in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And it's about training, understanding the unconscious and, and training the, the neuro pathways in, in your brain and in your body and how to connect your, you know, your physical body to your mental self and emotional self, your, your heart and your mind and, and how to make it congruent, how to, to really listen to those feelings in the pit of your stomach or in your heart or the tension in your body and understand what's really going on. And I guess it's just about understanding or breaking down the layers and getting to the core of issues and understanding why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and what are your options and can you delay making a decision for a couple of months can you make a contract that you will try to react in a different way or um, I, I think it's it's about being honest with yourself and these are just the terms that we use you can use whatever terms you want which is going to make sense for you or so it just happens to be the words that we use but it, it could be an agreement it could be a plan it could be a goal or a dream it doesn't have to be necessarily those words but that's just what we had decided upon and yeah I think it's like you can't sort of you can't cheat yourself you can't make yourself feel a certain way if you really deep down don't feel a certain way and how to and, and understand that that's okay but how do you still work with that it's really helped my career because not every performance is going to be at a hundred percent some days you may wake up a bit tired or flat and you don't even know why sometimes you do know why and so some some days your max can only be 70 percent but how to get a hundred percent from 70 percent and that's what I guess, you know, worked on. And it's, it's evolved over the years. So for the last six years, we've been finding out what works for me. And, you know, sometimes it works for a couple of years and other times we need to try something new. And I think that working on understanding yourself and how you think and how you're reacting to other people and trying to understand and, and empathise why someone might be doing what they're doing or saying or saying what they're saying and how that leads to action really can help I just not be as reactive or emotional or sensitive about it. It can really add to your professional career, your, your sporting career, um, in terms of being a bit more consistent, um, limiting the stress that you allow into your life, into your body. So, yeah, I found it yeah very beneficial. That is absolutely fascinating. And thank you for sharing that with us because it's quite a personal thing to share. And especially, you know, what was going on with you as well at that time, such a high-pressure time for you. In a 
very practical sense, if, if we're to take away some of the pearls of wisdom that you've really given us just now, how do you think about making those contracts with yourself? So is it a process where you write things down on your own? Is it an individual practice or is it something that you maybe work more in conjunction with your professional? How do you work this process I believe it's beneficial to learn these skills and have someone to take you through initially. So I think I don't know if I would be able to to do it justice trying to explain it. And I have had you know my own experiences, but you, you can definitely write it down. I, I think that, and it's going to be what what you want to do, what sits well with you. So the way that I do it is going to be different to how my sister does it or how my partner does it. Sometimes it can just be a verbal contract within yourself where you just say it in your head. Like my sister, for example, likes to write things down and likes to have it all written out and and have it in a neat, neatly set out, recorded in a physical form where for me it was it was quite personal and emotional. I felt that I could just hold it within myself and think a decision that that you need to make and you're sitting both ways and some of the exercises that I've been walked through with with my coach is feeling how you are now and feeling how your body is and and just closing your eyes and taking a moment to to how you feel and then sort of you, you you shake off that feeling and then you can step into a different part of the room and imagine the decision going one way and in and how that makes you feel and how your, your body is and how that sits with you. And then you can sort of close your eyes and, and really feel if, if you're happy, if it's really what you want. And then you can shake that off and walk to a different part, part of the room. Now imagine the total opposite decision that you need to make and where that sits with you. And it's amazing because, you know, if we really listen to our unconscious, then um, our, our body tells us you can feel it in your gut or in your heart. You know, a lot of the times it's clear. Sometimes it's foggy because you might have a bit of conflict between your intellect and your heart, but usually it's pretty clear. You can even do, I guess we've done these sort of life cycles where you, you step into two years from now and see where you want to be and see what's going on around you, where you are, how you're feeling, and then you step into five years from now and see where you are and picture yourself, like who's around you or what are you doing, how are you feeling, then 10 years. And you can sort of create these, I guess, experiences in your mind and in your in your body and, and, and see how your body's reacting to that in those points in time. And it can sort of give you a bit of information. Like I guess you know yourself the best and a lot of the times we, we hold our own answers to our problems and or our dreams and aspirations and what we want deep down. Thank you so much for explaining that. I think there's a, a lot of benefit in what you're saying and you can put that into any situation and implement that. How have you stayed so disciplined? I know for me, I'm trying to get back into the gym. I am struggling because I think, oh my God, I need to do it at the right time. I need to be in the right mindset as a professional athlete you would have had to have been so disciplined and with quite a regimented schedule how did and do you do it I need to know (laughs) (laughs) I think starting off being honest with yourself knowing that you want something special you're going to have to work 
a bit harder for it. So whether that special is like being able to fit into your jeans that you've had for three years that you said you'd lose weight for (laughs) or feeling great and having, you know, healthier skin or more energy or I, I guess, you know, not just like in a physical sense, like you said, for the gym, but being honest with yourself, knowing you're going to have to work harder and knowing that there's a reward and thinking about that long-term goal, I guess you can't, even though when you're, you're in the present, you give 100%, but I never think about how hard the present is going to be. I think about how good that long-term goal is going to be. So being focused on that rather than the present. And sometimes it is just turning up. Like I really... I'm someone that, like, even to this day after doing my sport for, like, 20, 25 years, I still get nervous going to a training session. I still sometimes feel yuck in my stomach, but I don't think about it. I try not to think about it. Like, I'll just avoid thinking about it until I'm there. And then once I'm there and you get into the groove, then you're fine. So sometimes just going into like a robot mode and not allowing yourself time to negotiate out of it. You just actually shut off. So you just physically go to where you want to go or do what you have to do. Like don't give yourself an option to back out and focus on how good that big term goal is going to be when you get there. It's great advice. Advice I need to take. (laughs) I want to chat with you about what you're up to now. What's something that you're pursuing at the moment? And talk us through what's happening in your life right now. Well, after the Rio Olympics, I realised that my life had become very much about taekwondo and training, probably for the three years leading up to it. And I guess to a point it needed to be, like I really wanted to give it everything. But I think that an area which was lacking in my life was personal development and and seeking knowledge and building up a, a alternative skill base. I think stimulating your brain is so important. I just started to feel a bit stagnant and I wanted to learn something new. So uh, last year I enrolled in a, a, a showreel course which helped me get a lot more confident in front of the camera and I wanted to improve my interviewing skills as well as being interviewed and how to have a better, I guess, um, communication style how to articulate better which I don't I'm not sure I'm succeeding in oh I think you are I think you're doing very well I think I think you're great I'm a bit rusty but um yeah I think I just wanted to get a bit more confidence in being myself and showing a bit more personality because for so many Olympic cycles I would be so set on wanting to be the good athlete the athlete who said the right thing that was really humble that just played by the rules, which I know is important. I do want to be a a good role model, but I also want to show a side of myself, which I didn't prior to, I guess, last year, give myself permission to do. So I think it was doing this course in um, screen work. It was a lot about getting out there and breaking those chains that I put on myself and discovering who I really was or, you know, a side I'd sort of like, I guess, suppressed. And I just wanted to see what my personality was now you know, at 30 and what I could bring in the performance sense outside of Taekwondo because in the future I don't 
don't know. I'm quite open. I would I would love to do a lot more screen work, whether it is being in a, a sports reporter and promoting female athletes and uh, female sporting leagues or getting into martial art action films. I just think it's it's really open and, and endless. I also started to work in a fashion company called Inku, um, which works with high-end fashion brands. It's a mixture of international and Australian labels, and I'm learning a lot about business, which is fantastic because the owners are really inclusive and really passionate about what they do, and it's probably my first professional job where I am learning something different other than Taekwondo because I'm understanding the whole process from the floor customer service level to uh, management to to buying and, and wholesaling and, and prices and targets and it's really fascinating I'm learning so much. As I mentioned I, I know your sister and generally have a cheeky coffee catch up with her and she mentioned to me that you have become part of a program at Ernst & Young. Yes, so this opportunity came about through an application um, which my athletes and career coordinator from, from N-Swiss, the New South Wales Institute of Sport, um, he's a parts taekwondo athlete and he approached me so with this and said it could be a really good opportunity and if I would be interested. So it's a Ernst & Young Women Athletes and Business Networking Program. It's like a mentorship, which is absolutely amazing. It is a program, an international program, where female athletes uh, from around the globe in elite-level sport are matched up with a mentor who is working in a professional field, can be a director or CEO or an executive manager in, in all different areas and you actually for the 12 months that you are assigned with them you aim to meet up uh, have coffees have conversations have you know telephone conversations because sometimes you can be in different states or in different countries and you try to connect and get a sense of how the professional world works and I guess it's a bit about what you're doing here with this podcast how you transition from being an athlete to being a successful businesswoman and or achieving your career goals and how to navigate that as, as a woman and having a family or just being a woman and what limitations they maybe have faced or what had helped them in their career and they can help you I guess tread those waters and find a smoother a way for you to uh, I guess achieve your goals so yeah that's just started now only a couple of weeks ago was uh, paired up with my mentor and I'll have my first telephone meeting with her this Wednesday, actually. So I'm really excited. Um, we also have a international conference in a couple of weeks' time in Melbourne, which is a four-day event, which all the Ernest Young Business Network, International Women's Network, comes together for dinners and conferences about all different topics. We're showing around Melbourne. We even have a dinner at one of the women's houses at Melbourne and wow. it gets uh, catered for and you just teamed with all these people from I think it's like a, a 10 person per hat and you just have a chat it was really exciting and then there's a ball as well there's a ball at the end of it on the Friday I think um, and some really interesting topics as well um, which are going to be at the seminars throughout the day sexual harassment 
in the workplace, understanding what's been successful policies in Australia in terms of our retirement funds and how this can be used. There's, there's business topics as well, but like how this can be used in different areas of the world. And so I'm very excited for it. It sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Very ritzy, which is which is nice. Yes. And so you <laughs> you had somebody recommend that program for you, is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. And how do you go about looking for your own opportunities? I know that you do a lot of speaking engagements at schools or at taekwondo clubs. So in a way, you've kind of got your own side hustle from how I understand it. (laughs) So I'm wondering how you go about planning those engagements, uh, doing the business development for this side hustle that you have. Well, I get as much guidance and help and feedback from those around me or those who have done it before or those who have been successful at it and ask for their opinion and you you form a plan and you try it out and then you just constantly refine it or you come up with new ideas or you pick up new ideas from watching others so our business model we we had a few coaches and and mentors look through what we initially wanted to set out to be our seminars so my sister and I established the Rio Combat Sisters seminar package where we go to different clubs in different states and we provide an Olympic Taekwondo experience which can go from anywhere between one hour to three hours and we speak about our journey we take them through a a high-quality, more Olympic-based taekwondo class where they can learn new skills, something that maybe the senior and international-level athletes are working on but maybe not the juniors or club level might know about. And we just try to inspire the kids and and interact with them because a lot of these kids and and families have been our supporters, you know, follow us on our, our social media platforms, have donated to us where we've needed to fundraise and go overseas and and get experience before we compete at the Olympics. So it's a way for us to to share our, our knowledge and uh, experiences and just spend time with these, these families who have supported us every step of the way. And we want to make it meaningful. Like we have our take-home messages of, of believing in yourself, of never giving up on your dreams and persevering through the hard times, which we really want these next generation of, of children to, to have my sister and I have, have two very different journeys, even though we ended up in the same spot and of being Olympians, we had two very different ways of going on about it. And equally, these stories are, are very inspiring, even in the corporate sector, where we can go into businesses and, and speak to adults because it's all transferable. Everyone has their own obstacles that they need to, to get over. Everyone has self-doubt and how the power of self-belief can really make the difference in, in your ability to achieve your goals or not. And you, you just find new ways to do it. And my, my sister and I, after each seminar, we'll have a debrief. We'll speak about things we both thought worked well and didn't, didn't work quite as well, things we can improve on next time and how we will go about. And we give each other personal feedbacks for how we would rate each other too. It's, it's constant, constant refining and getting help and guidance. I know in, the, in these seminars that you do, you often touch on resilience what does resilience mean to you and how do you practice it resilience to me is accepting that it's going to be hard but it's not going to break you and it's not going to make you let go of what you love 
and it and it's tested and it's it's going to happen so many times in your life but one thing of that I've learned is not to let go don't let anything any negative experience or anyone let go of your passion and your dreams so that's what resilience means Hmm. and letting go of those you know you can't let go of your love for what you want to do or your dreams but you have to let go of those bad times Mm. it comes to a point speaking of dreams what what are your dreams for the future (laughs) that is a very very big question yes it's very (laughs) loaded (laughs) so i would like to complete my mba which recently i have been um awarded an elite athlete scholarship to at the University of Sydney, which is wonderful. So that I guess would be my immediate goals. I would love to continue on in this sport and be able to make one more Olympics and achieve my adult dream of winning an Olympic medal. But also at the same time, I need to manage my personal life and have some peace within my personal life where I'll be able to start a family and have a partner who's who's happy and supportive in my dreams and also in their dreams and find a way where we could build a family and work together. And I would like to start a family at one point. That is, I would like to work on my screen career and see if I can be a kick-ass taekwondo athlete being a kick-ass female on the screen and instead of just showing a sexy image of a woman show a strong kick-ass image of a woman that can be so much more that can be intelligent and funny and charismatic and you know doesn't need to be limited to a very basic superficial role very exciting about your mba congratulations I am so, so excited for that. It's a part-time course, but it's an area which I really have absolutely no idea in and I really need to fill that hole in my life. And maybe one day I can wear that blue suit. That's it. (laughs) It's kind of like I didn't think it would happen. It's really exciting and I think, yeah, working at Inku has actually given me that, that passion for it and I know, you know, whatever I want to build in the future, having these management skills and leadership skills at, from you know such a highly regarded university um, I'm just yeah I know it's going to be very difficult and you know going back to study it means a lot of yeah late nights and getting the brain working again and being <laughs> a lot more organized and disciplined but um, yeah I'm looking forward to it yeah very fair. much Carmen that brings us to our signature question what advice would you give to any young female professional entering into their chosen field my advice would be get ready to bust the gut get ready for hard work don't take you know for an answer you can do it there's always a way and if it is your dream you just cannot give up especially in those moments where you want to give up you don't realize how close success is There's a quote and I can't even remember, but it's literally around the corner. So those, the most crucial moments of when you have to keep going are the ones you want to give up the most. 
So even if it just means that you're putting one foot in front of the other a millimetre at the time, as long as you're moving and you don't stop or you don't take a step backwards and turn the other way, then you will get there in the end. Well, Carmen, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. There have been so many wonderful morsels of goodness that you've provided and I feel so calm and spiritual after talking to you. You've got such a deep insight on yourself and I think that that's so wonderful and so important to be so introspective. It's such a valuable thing. Thank you so much for joining us at the Woman of Now podcast. Is there a, a way that we can keep up with your adventures? Yes. Please do follow me on my Instagram, which is Carmen underscore Kikas and Carmen Marton on Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Woman of Now podcast presented by Navigator Australia. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps other people find our podcast. You can follow Navigator on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and we recently got Twitter. Or you can check out our website at www.navigator-australia.com. You can also become a Patreon to support this podcast. Contributions start for as little as $1 per month. If you would like to sponsor or partner with this podcast and Navigator, just like Emma and Tom's, please contact us on our website. See you next month with another amazing Woman of Now podcast. Bye for now.